Rick Haynes was a master craftsman. He admitted it. He also admitted to the cleverest brain in the profession. The police hadn't a thing on him because he always planned his jobs well and his plans always worked because they were simple and direct, as now. He came briskly down the hall, a tall, well-built man, impeccably dressed, carrying a battered briefcase. He foreknew exactly what to do and what to expect when at noon he walked into the fourth floor office of Acme Finance and closed the door behind him. The lone occupant, a little gray-haired man, rose hastily and came toward him, saying, I'm sorry, sir, but we're... Rick said not a word. He pushed the little 25 caliber deep under the man's breastbone, fed him two efficient little pills with no more of a report than the pop of bubblegum, and rolled the body out of sight behind a desk. Then he pulled off the big black lensed glasses that were an effective disguise for his small shrewd eyes, laid his gray fedora on top of them on the desk and went to the unlocked safe where he swiftly and efficiently transferred its more cheering assets to the briefcase. He turned to pick up his hat and glasses and walk out the way he had come, when he froze in amazed disbelief. Standing in the open doorway watching him was a woman. She just stood there with her hand on the knob, a stout middle-aged woman with gray hair under a little pertly styled bonnet and blue eyes behind rimless glasses. She was looking at him, her lips parted a little in surprise, as though she had expected to find someone else there. At the sight of her standing there like that, his well-oiled plans deserted him. He hadn't even remotely considered the chance of an intrusion. His first wild blind impulse was to flee, to shoot his way out. But his clever, high-speed brain kept him from making such a fool mistake. He reasoned. She's just standing there, not yelling her head off. So she just thinks I belong here. I'll get her inside, let her have it. And he came toward her, smiling, bowing politely. Come in, madame, he invited heartily. We are. For a moment longer, she just stood there, watching him like a hypnotized bird, shifting her bulk uneasily, trying to see past him into the office. She brought her hands up in a little gesture, as if to make a sign, and then suddenly turned and fled. Wait, Rick shouted after her, but she scurried away and was gone before he could grab her. He cursed loud and luridly. She was on to him. He had to catch her and kill her before she got away. She was a living, competent witness who had plenty of time to memorize his face. He had the presence of mind to slap his hat on his head, hook his dark glasses on his long nose and grab the briefcase before he dashed down the hall after her. But the pause had given her time to disappear. He heard the elevator doors clang shut and the car was dropping just out of sight. He knew his ticket to the chair was on it. He took the stairs in amazing long-legged strides, almost dropping straight down them. At the street floor, he compelled himself to pause a moment, then go swiftly but sanely through the door into the foyer. The elevator car was loading for another ascent. Ahead of him, waddling desperately for the street, was the fat slob who could put the finger on him. Panic gripped him again. He had to stop her. Had to. It was all he could do to keep from shouting at her to stop. He actually started to pull the gun from his pocket to shoot her as she walked ahead through the crowded foyer. 
She paused once as she came near a line of telephone booths, and Rick thought, here it is, she's calling the cops where I can't stop her, here in front of this mob. But she went on, and he guessed without looking that the phones were all busy. But it was a brief respite at best, a few more steps and she'd be on the street, yelling her head off for a cop. Back in his brain, something seemed wrong. For why hadn't she given the alarm before this? To the elevator operator or someone? His quick mind had the answer. She was a woman scared silly, and she was beating it for a place of refuge. Her home, probably. She'd keep her tongue in silence until she could contact someone she trusted. Her old man, likely. She lumbered out into the street, paused a moment, while Rick, panicky in his fear and uncertainty, weighed his chances of plugging her right here and running for it or tailing her. He had no choice. While he hesitated, she popped into a waiting cab and was off down the street. He had a bad few seconds as he got his car out into traffic, but the drizzling, misty rain helped him. The cabbie was a cautious soul and Rick caught up with him two blocks down. He kept close as they treaded through traffic, his eyes glued onto the back glass of the cab where he could see her huddled and staring back at him repeatedly in her terror. He smashed the steering wheel a savage blow with his fist and let his rage run free. The stinking idiot, he snarled aloud. I ought to have killed her right there in the office, then I wouldn't have to chase her a couple of miles to do it. They came out onto the wide boulevard and the cab speeded up, but Rick drove carefully, just keeping his quarry in sight. He didn't want to be picked up now. The rain beat steadily against the windshield. The sedate whir of the wiper was company for his thoughts. His master mind was already busily at work planning, and as it worked, his rage vanished and his confidence returned. He could handle this job, easy. He had been right back there. She was holding up somewhere to wait for a chance to spill what she had seen after she got over her terror. And she wouldn't expect the killer to trail her clean out here to the suburbs. She'd figured he was already on the lam, which was okay for Rick Haynes. The cab swung off the boulevard, went down a quiet tree-out street lined on both sides by big box-like houses set back from the sidewalk behind a narrow strip of lawn. Rick swung in, parked the stolen green Chevy, and watched intently. The cab pulled up to the curb halfway down the street. The woman got out, scurried up the walk onto a wide porch. In the half-murk, Rick watched intently, and when she used the key instead of ringing the bell, he laughed in pleased confidence, for it meant he had guessed her right. She'd be alone. He clambered over the back seat lifted the rear cushion and slid the briefcase back under a mess of papers and old rags he had placed there. He waited a while, then drove boldly down and parked in front of the house. He got out, swung briskly up the flagstone walk, across the porch and punched the button. He didn't hear the sound of the bell within, so he punched the button again, peering through the curtain glass, and he saw a little light flash off and on, somewhere inside in response to his fingered pressure. His lip curled in derision of all the silly stunts. So the big fool's nerves were too bad to stand the clatter of a bell, eh? He never had a doubt that his surmise was correct, that she would answer his summons. He waited until she opened the door, then stood looking at him inquiringly. Then he whipped off the black glasses. She gasped in surprise, 
Her eyes amazed. Her hands came up in a gesture again, and before she had the wit to close the door on him, it was too late. He was in the hall. The door closed. The little gun jammed deep against her soft, bulging middle. Her eyes were big pools of surprised terror. Not a peep, he warned savagely. So you do recognize me, you blundering idiot. Well, you'll never live to tell it. She was paralyzed in her horror, trying desperately to back away from him, her fingers twisting helplessly at her mouth from which no words would come. He pushed the little gun deeper under her breast, fired twice. Her clutching fingers clawed at her mouth and face in a gripping spasm of pain and terror. She swayed then crumpled without a sound. Rick froze, crouching over her, listening, the gun ready in his hand. But no other sound came to him except somewhere the slow, ponderous ticking of a clock. The shots had made a small noise, like the snapping of a pencil, and perhaps there was someone else in another room. He couldn't wait to find out. Cautiously, he investigated and found no one, and relaxed with a grin. Swiftly, he executed the rest of his lightning plan. He ransacked the house, turning out drawers and cupboards indiscriminately, spilling their contents in confusion, garnering items of value into a pillow slip. He came downstairs, dropped the sack of loot with a clatter on the kitchen floor near the rear exit. He unlocked the door, leaving it partly open, and dropped the little gun nearby. He allowed himself a moment to grin in self-appreciation of his cleverness. The dumb police would lay the crime to a prowler who had killed the woman, ransacked the house, then had been frightened into dropping his loot and escaping out the back door. The little gun could be easily traced to a small-town crook with a long record. He went back through the hall to where the woman still lay, a lumpy, sprawling heap. He peered out into the street through the curtain. The rain had stopped. It was wholly deserted and gray in the murky half-light. He put on his glasses, paused, went over and deliberately kicked the woman in the face, laughed, and opened the door. He was halfway through it when he halted, stunned. A man was coming toward him on the sidewalk, not ten feet from the flagstone walk. A car was parked a little distance behind the Chevy. Instantly, Rick realized what had happened. He hadn't noticed the other car parked by the trees when he had looked out the curtains. And when he had gone back to kick the woman, the man had got out of it. Who was he? But more importantly, where was he going? Rick Haynes wanted desperately to duck back into the house, but it was too late. The man had seen him. His master mind came promptly to the rescue. He paused as though listening to the woman pass the edge of the partly open door and said distinctly, Thank you again, Miss Anderson. He almost smiled at the name. He had noticed it on a small plate on her mailbox. He stepped out onto the porch, his hand on the knob, holding the door several inches ajar. I'm really sorry, he paused politely to let her speak, stood listening and nodding, aware that the little man on the sidewalk had slowed, was looking at him curiously. Rick ignored him. Yes, I understand. Believe me, I'm sorry. Well, he laughed ruefully. Guess I'll have to ask elsewhere, but thank you again, and goodbye, he added gallantly and closed the door behind him, knowing that the spring lock would work. The little guy on the sidewalk was still looking at him, walking slowly, and a sudden rage flared up in Rick Haynes, and he swore silently that he'd be damned if he'd leave another witness this time, no matter how remote the chances of being identified, nor how involved the task of whooping him off. 
he had cleverly and effectively lulled any suspicion the little man may have had as to his business here. And now to get him into the Chevy and the rest would be easy. This buzzo was going to die. He stopped the little man with a word. What a skinny, innocent-looking worm. Can you please tell me where J.E. Thalmus lives? Hereabouts, he asked politely. Miss Anderson tells me she never heard of him at all. The little man's eyebrows went up just a twitch. Miss Anderson said that. Now that is strange. I mean, she has lived here her whole life and gets about a lot and knows every soul on this quiet little street. She's a nice woman, Miss Anderson. Kind and quiet spoken. You know her? Rick asked and a little alarm bell tinkled back in his brain somewhere. Yes, she is, he thought. Who is this lousy little runt anyway? Have I seen him someplace before? His hand went rigid hard on the gun in his pocket. He was aware of the little guy's stare, of his quick glance at the bulging hand in his pocket. He laughed. Well, I guess I'll have to go back for a better address. <laughs> he moved a little, looking about to see if any chance window watchers might see him force the little man into the Chevy. Then the peewee surprised him. Look, he said suddenly in a sort of desperate, choked voice. Would you give me a lift downtown? He laughed ruefully. That blasted car of mine quit on me up the street and I coasted to here. <laughs> sure, sure, Rick agreed heartily. Glad to have you. His heart was singing now. Boy, what a break. A solid hard whack on the buzzle's neck. And then drive out along the highway, open the door on that curve and let the body spill out over the bank in the dark and into the river below. As simple as that. And the little root was asking for it. They came down off the quiet tree-lined street onto the boulevard lanes, then turned west. There were plenty of places along here where he could knock the little guy out before they got into the congested district where traffic was heavy, but he'd take it slow. At an intersection, a cop stood in the renewed drizzle, directing cross-traffic. Rick slowed the car to the required 25. He was too smart to slip up now. But as they approached the officer, the little man suddenly grabbed the steering wheel with both hands and heaved with all his might. The maneuver caught Rick off guard because it was totally unexpected. The car swerved and plowed with a rending crash into a telephone pole. The impact dazed Rick for a moment and he couldn't move. The little man had opened the door and was out on the streets running towards the cop. Watch that man, he screamed. He's dangerous. He just killed Miss Anderson because he thought she saw him kill my cashier. My cashier? Rick heard the words and went numb. So he had seen that man before when he had cased the joint. Come out of there, fellow, the cop said firmly. Cold terror brought Rick Haynes back to his senses. He's a fool, he said furiously. The jackass asked me for a lift. Wrecked my car. I'm a salesman. I called on Miss Anderson on business. Oh no, officer, the little man cut in. I returned from lunch, found my man dead, and the safe looted. I remembered that this is the day of the month that poor Kelly stayed to attend to Miss Anderson. She always came at noon when everyone else was out. You see, officer, she was kind of sensitive about her, her ailment and Kelly was the only one she would converse with. She came today, stumbled on this guy robbing the place, didn't see poor Kelly, and left because she was unable to deal with anybody else. I don't believe she had any idea at all that this thug had killed, but you libelous little fool. 
Rick ranted. He kept his senses by reminding himself that they couldn't pin anything on him. Sure, they'd find her dead, but this runt himself would have to admit she was still alive when they left her. I never harmed your man, nor Miss Anderson. You heard me talking to her when I... Yes, the little man said, grinning suddenly. That's what put me next to you. Warned me you were phony with something to hide. I came out to talk to Miss Henderson because she, well, she can't use the phone. I saw you come out, got a little suspicious, but I'd have to let you go unnoticed if you hadn't stopped to talk to her. The rest I added up, and when I saw that gun in your fist in your pocket, I was sure. I was sure, too, that the car was stolen, so I deliberately got you to give me a lift so I could... You're a fool, Rick snarled. But something in the little man's grin put terror in his soul. Miss Anderson was alive when I left her. I talked to her. Sure, but she didn't talk back. She didn't because she couldn't. That's why she used a door light instead of a bell. That should have tipped you off if you saw it. And that's why Kelly alone could talk to her. He alone could talk with his hands. You see, wise guy, Miss Anderson did not talk to you because she was a deaf mute, born deaf and dumb. Rick's panic possessed him completely then. He forgot everything, even his gun, in his lust for life. He swung around the car, raced in agony for the shielding corner and escaped. The policeman's bullet shattered his leg, dropping him screaming to the street. Ah! Rick Haynes was a career criminal who always believed he was the smartest one in the room. So he's feeling mighty dumb about the way he finally got brought to justice. He was a mean, cold-blooded killer who tracked down a woman and murdered her all because he was worried about what she might say. But he wound up busted when he tried putting words in her mouth. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Mini Mystery Theater. I am Tim Grant, your host, inviting you to stay tuned to this channel and to be sure to tune in for our next episode.